Hello and welcome to Touchline from Casper Els and Mark Cameron. Hello, Mark. Hi, Cas. Nice being back. Um, tonight's special, special, special. I always say it's a, it's a great honor to have special guests in studio. Definitely. The listeners will definitely hear who we're chatting tonight, uh, to tonight, and more so that it's South African flavor. Um, and nice to welcome him back into South Africa for a while. Yes, definitely is. Tonight we're talking to Mr. Gary Gold um, in South Africa. Um, Gary, welcome and thank you for chatting to us. Thanks, Casper. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, good to see you guys again. Thank you. Um, Gary, currently the um, head coach of the American Eagles um, from South Africa, also coached um, quite extensively in South Africa and in Europe. Um, Gary, tell us a little bit about your, your experiences now in America, coming from obviously South African coaching background and then coaching in, in Europe. Um, what's the difference? Is there any differences um, that you that you managed to fit in quite easily? Yeah, um, thanks, Casper. I mean, uh, look, culturally, um, you know, every time you go to a different country, there's there's always going to be a different challenge um, that you're going to have. Um, again, as you guys have mentioned, I've, I've coached in the UK, I've coached in Japan, and now I'm coaching in America. Obviously, if you include South Africa, that's you know the fourth country that I've coached in. And everyone, every certainly every one of the the other countries have, have, have got have got cultural challenges. Um, the first one, obviously, that that makes life a little bit easier is that we you know we speak the same language. We 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 all do speak English. Um, that obviously is the big hurdle that you have to overcome. But, you know, culturally, um, sport is a really, really big deal in the States, but not necessarily rugby, you know. And um, in saying that, I mean, there's there's a huge following for rugby in America. Uh, the problem is, I mean, not that it's a problem, but the country is so big that rugby is just so vast and spread out. It's not like the state of Texas or Florida or, or Rugby is, is is secluded to one particular area, and you've got yes. four or five hundred thousand people playing in that particular area. You, you've got you, you know it's a reasonably popular sport within the country. I I, I don't want to quote something that's incorrect. Uh, recently, I've been taken out quite badly for quoting <laughs> things that are incorrect. But I think it's rated that the thirteenth or fourteenth most popular sport, which is way down, oh. which is way down when you consider how big major sports are are in America. But, yeah. you know, you've, you've still got a good couple of thousand people, significant numbers that are still playing the game. The issue that you've got is a little bit of a chicken and egg scenario and as much as that they want to get a lot better in the game. But until there's significant investment and you can actually pay for the, the, the development of coaches and they can help develop the players and they can encourage the game to be played and you get more kids playing at high school, they're not actually going to get better until you got, you know, until you're meeting those. So it's it's a little bit of a chicken and egg scenario. I mean, everyone always talks about, you know, this boring cliche of the sleeping giant, but it's only just because of the numbers. It's only just because, you know, we see a lot of American football and we think that, you know, they, there's going to be a natural progression to rugby, but that's not necessarily the case. Yes. Um, in saying that, the rugby folk in America are, are very passionate. You know, they're very passionate about sport. Uh, they're very focused on winning. Um, it's a, it's a, a genuinely a winning mentality and a winning culture. And, you know, when you have nightmares like we had on the weekend, that doesn't go down very well, you know, because, you know, not, not winning is, 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 is not very acceptable in the States and, and losing heavily is, is even more frowned upon. But, I mean, it's, it's been wonderful, you know. I mean, by and large, it's, it's, you know, the experience has been amazing. It's been amazing to see how many people are so, you know, absolutely hungry for the knowledge and, and to learn and, 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 you know, to want to improve the game and to want to grow the game. And um, um, so from that point of view, you know, that's the part of the job I love. You know, I, I, I love the enthusiasm behind, behind the game and, and how folks want to grow it so desperately. Gary, if I can ask you, you just alluded quickly in, in, in your chat now uh, to the game on the weekend. And obviously you're talking about um, USA Eagles against New Zealand. Um, yeah, you, you are right if you if you think about the hiding that you spoke about and that. But you know, I I was fortunate enough to watch the game as well, and and your side didn't play badly 
at all. There were patches in the game where they actually played quite well. Um, setup was good. I think, I th if anything, I think defensively uh, they were probably poor and New Zealand capitalised on that. We all know how, how good New Zealand is in counter-attack and finding space in that. So, I mean, from an from a outside coach, um, obviously that's one of the things that I picked up. Although if you go into detail, there's obviously many more and, and the listeners... Um, that aren't coaches might think about it differently. They'll just think that New Zealand gave you hiding and that. But be it as it may, um, if I can ask this this question for for other coaches out there. So I mean, if you look at your scoreline, that's not when I say the scoreline is not the first, not necessarily the USA's first. But I mean, that's not the first time a team has had hundred put past them. It happens at club level. It happens at provincial level. At whatever the level it is, it happens. Um, firstly, I think your side and and your I mean you've been you've coached at the highest level, so for you it's nothing new. You know exactly what to expect. You obviously knew what was going to happen and how you wanted to plan. But your coaches might have might have uh, it might have been a surprise to them as to what happened from a player's perspective, obviously as well. But personally, as a coach, I think if you had to look at your side compared to New Zealand side, you would have learned a lot more out of that game than New Zealand would have. Um, and the listeners might think I'm crazy now, but if you if you can just elaborate on that, what your learning curve was for your players and how you would have addressed them after the game, you know, that they don't feel as bad as as they might have after the game, because they weren't they weren't terrible, if it makes sense what I'm saying. There were patches and that's mm. where New Zealand caught them. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. I mean, it's a difficult question to ask to answer um, for one reason and one reason only. And uh, again, I've, you know, I've, I've got to make this abundantly clear from the beginning. I mean, obviously we were and truly beaten on the weekend by a class team, um, a, a team getting ready to, you know, to play four games overseas um, after having just won the rugby championship. And obviously we know how good the All Blacks can be. Yeah. Um, just give you a bit of a, bit of, so, so before I answer the question, and this is what makes it so difficult for me is it, it's a relatively easy question to answer from a coaching perspective point of view. I'd love, I'd, I'd, I'd love to answer it, but I, I, I don't want it. I don't want it in any way, shape or form to come across as any form of an excuse. I mean, no, we no, were absolutely well and yeah, yeah. truly tranced. We were beaten by a much superior, superior team. And I agree with you, you know, from, from our point of view, there will be, significant lessons to learn and, and some great lessons down the line. I mean, uh, again, there's negative people out there and they'll say, well, there's, you know, they're not sure that there's anything to have learned from the game. Well, you know, I beg to differ. I think that there were, there were aspects of the game that our players, that our players will, will learn from. Again, I'm not sure how many of you guys know this, but that, that game took place out of what they call the Reg 9 window. So yes. we weren't able to get our European-based players. So, our professional players that were based in 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 the um, in the UK weren't able to come out for that game. It was about nine players, and so what it meant is that it meant that with the Major League Rugby um, being in its third or fourth year now, we were in a position to pick um, a team that was just compromising of the guys that were based in America. And in many ways, what I think I'm trying to say is that actually afforded them an opportunity and afforded them an opportunity for us to see how far the club game has come within America. I mean, it's, it's, it's moving into its fourth year now. I'm confused now with COVID. So I think it's three plus the COVID five games that was canceled. So it's moving into its, its, its fourth year now. Um, and, 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 and again, you know, there were, there were three guys on the weekend who, who got their first cap yeah. against the All Blacks when you're playing in Sam, Sam Whitelock playing his 126. Yeah. No, so you can see that the, the, the very large chasm in depth that, that, that we had. Um, it's very kind of you to say that you didn't necessarily think we didn't play very well. I mean, I'm, I don't think we had that many opportunities to do, to, to do too many things. And, I, I, you know, again... I've just got to be so careful that I'm not going to sit here and, you know, falsely try and find the, find the positives. Um, I, I mean, the speed of the game was ridiculous, right. um, uh, ridiculously good if you were a, a neutral. Yeah. I mean, if you, it was a lesson. It yeah. was a lesson in rugby. It was a lesson in ball skills, in passing skills, in the ability to offload out of the contact. 
the speed of the breakdown was exceptional. They didn't have to do do too too much defending against us. And again, obviously, you know, we did come away with a couple of tries, but you know, by that stage, the game was well and truly lost. So, you know, I'm 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 not for one second saying that you know New Zealand didn't defend well, but when they did defend, you know, they they they're very very effective in what they do and. So I suppose the biggest lesson from our point of view is that our guys got to see what the game is like played at the highest level. You know, they got to see what the pace of the game is like. They got to see what a world-class outfit does, you know, and a world-class outfit on a very fast track, you know, is something, you know, that's wonderful to watch if you're neutral because some of those tries were exceptional. I mean, their offload and their support lines on the inside was were exceptional. You literally just saw our defenders not being able to keep yeah. keep up and catch up from the inside, you know, so... I mean, from from a purely neutral point of view, it was you know actually, you know, a, a rugby spectacle. You know, watching New Zealand running in sixteen tries. I mean, from our point of view, it was like a car crash in slow motion. Yeah. You know, if yeah. I'm quite honest with you, it was something we really didn't you know we didn't want to see, and um, we we did not prepare for it. But you know, the small mercy that I can take, and and from what you said, you know, from that coaching point of view, is that. I just didn't really feel that our guys rolled over. You know what I mean? I, right. I didn't think they gave up, you know? Right. I mean, we were definitely by far not good enough yeah. on the day. And, you know, we'll take that on the chin. Um, but there was a fighting spirit, you know, yeah. and we, we kept trying to score score points right until the end. We yeah. kept trying to defend. And, you know, from that point of view, there was a lot of character that was shown, you know, and, and, and from... Um, you know, and and you know the the divide was clear to see, and and how big it and substantial it was, and you know that that in of itself is is a good lesson. You know, if we if we're going to be playing um, teams, and I'm not going to quote any other team at the moment because we're actually not playing particularly well at the yeah. moment. You know, I'm the first one to admit that. But you know, if we're going to be playing teams ourselves as the USA, and we're going to be winning, you know, week in and week out, yeah. and you know, and if there are comfortable margins. You know, then we're just fooling ourselves if we think we're getting better, you know, if we don't get to play better opposition. And this year has been a really, really tough year for us. You know, uh, started off with, you know, the first time we assembled since the 2019 World Cup was on on a Sunday night in, in, in London. And we played England that weekend and then a week later played Ireland. And, you know, then we had to go straight into rugby World Cup qualifiers. So from our point of view, it's, it's been a tough year. But as you as you mentioned earlier, you know, from, from a lessons learned point of view, there's, there's a... There's a lot of guys, you know, who've now pulled on a USA rugby jersey and have, have seen what the game is like at the at the top end of the game, and and um, you know, and and in saying all of that, they still haven't even taken on the force of South Africa yet, and the brutality of the physicality that, that South Africa brings to the game, you know. So, I, I mean, again, um, it depends which side of the fence you want to sit on. You you know, you could be unbelievably negative and say that there's not. There's nothing learned in that exercise and nobody wants to see a scoreline of 100 points. I mean, I certainly don't want to see that. Um, and, and you know, I genuinely don't believe anybody wants to turn on TV and watch something like that. So from that point of view, it was it was difficult viewing, but um, there, there will be some good lessons that are taken out of it. Um, and um, from a strength and conditioning point of view, it showed like we, you know, we've still got a, a huge way to go. We've got a lot to do from a breakdown point of view. Basically, from every angle of the game, you know, the All Blacks taught us a proper lesson on the weekend. But, uh, Gary, if you think about it, I mean, I look at South Africa. I mean, we've played how many tests against uh, New Zealand where we could only score one drive for argument's sake, you know. So, um, I mean, you look at yourselves, you managed to score two drives against them, and they're they a proud nation, you know. So, from a, from a, I know, obviously, the players would have been gutted. Um, the players might have thought from the beginning, you know, they all watch social media and so forth. So maybe in the beginning they didn't believe either. Um, but they would still have been gutted because, as you rightfully say, firstly, you don't go out to play a test match or any game for that matter to lose. But I think scoring two tries in itself was a great achievement. But I think from a, from a coaching point of view as well, um, obviously, when you train, you want to train at a high level, a high-paced game and whatever. And as an as a ex-Springbok coach, um, you know where you'd like your players to be at. And in all probability, and we don't need to speak about it, but in all probability, you know in your current side, they think they're there, but you know they can still be better or they need to be better to play against them. And you talk week in and week out. 
Now they physically played against them. So now that's your reference check. You can go back and say, boys, that's just what I've been speaking about. You think we're there, but we're not there. We need to climb. So, you know, just for my take, um, yeah, it is it is gut-wrenching, if I can use that word. Um, but as I said, there is posit positives and some of those negatives you can turn into a positive, you know, and say, right, this is what I was talking about. Yes, we're miles away. I yeah. mean, you can even wrap your coaching, your, your conditioning coaches over the knuckles now and say, now you understand what I've been telling you, you know, things like that. So it is negative. And, and the positive that I'd like to end off with that specific game now, you know, if you go back to the 95 World Cup, New Zealand thumped uh, Japan in South Africa, I think it was 145-0. I think that's still their biggest margin. And look at where Japan is today. Um, so, I mean, it's not doom and gloom. The, the, the motivation is there if the structures are right and, and you obviously get your backing um, and you can develop in certain aspects of the structures and then in the game. I think it's, I think it's still achievable at the end of the day. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's a lot of things there that you said that make a lot of sense. You know, I mean, again, I think the reference point is, 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 is the most relevant thing that you've said, you know, not necessarily to wrap anybody over the knuckles, but now to say, you know, that that's what the divide looks like, yeah. you know, and, and now you've you've touched it, you've felt it, you've 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 experienced it. Um, it, it. It definitely does make a big difference from a learning curve point of view. In terms of the ninety-five exercises, I'm not sure you, Sarah, are going to keep me around for another thirty years for us to learn to take that long <laughs> to learn those lessons. Um, you know, at this stage, I'll be lucky if I get to stay in another three days. At this stage. But, but um, no, I mean, it's 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 true what you say. You know, and the Japan model is a very interesting model, actually, and that's worth talking about. I mean, again, I I spent some time in Japan, and it was an unbelievable experience and a wonderful occasion. And I mean, I've I've, I've said it. I've said it now, you know, when, when I coached in 2014, for example, I've seen teams in the Major League Rugby competition in America at the moment perform better than some of the top 14 teams that I saw in Japan at the right. time. And yet, look where Japan rugby has got to, and, and yet USA rugby haven't got there yet. And again, you know, the difference was that the year that I was there was Eddie had been there for a while, and you know, that was the year that you know, that that got confirmation. Not not the year that got confirmation. The, the confirmation had already come through that they're getting the the Rugby World Cup and and off the back of that, they were able to get the funding for Eddie to spend a significant period of time together with the team. And we saw what happened in 2015 before we even got to 2019. Right. But the progress was quite visible to see how Japan were improving through the 2014 year into 2015. 2015, they didn't even qualify. But they still played quite well in a couple, you know, got a couple of pool wins. And then obviously 2019 on home soil did manage to qualify. So why I'm using that as a reference point is because obviously that's the silver lining of where we're at at the moment. Again, one of the reasons why the game on the weekend needed to take place is because we also need to showcase other than what we didn't do in the 80 minutes of, of, of between the four white lines, the showcasing being able to, you know, host 40, 50,000 people in the Washington Stadium, be able to host the event, also show that we obviously can host World Cups in America. Right. And, you know, should we be successful in being able to host one of the next couple of World Cups? That, that would then, obviously, that chicken and egg scenario we spoke about earlier would start to be alleviated because... If they are going to, if World Rugby are going to invest in having a World Cup, one of the things they're going to have to invest in is the fact that we're obviously going to get to spend more time together. Yeah. And so then that takes the problem and the challenge that I've got at the moment away. And the, the challenge that I've got at the moment is we just don't spend enough time together. You know, the most the most time we've spent together as a national team, um, certainly since 2019, has been 10 days. And that was uh, that was the 10 days that we, we got to spend before uh, the build-up to the Uruguay game. So... Yeah. You know, that's that's a solution. I mean, I'm having this conversation because we're talking about solutions, and that's yeah. the solution we need. If we carry on assembling as a Tier 2 nation on a Sunday before we're playing Tier 1 teams, it's going to be very difficult for us to improve. No matter how much the MLR improves, We and, and that's why I really like your point about the, about the references, is, is it's brilliant that we're having these games against England and Ireland because... Um, and then obviously now New Zealand, because it's giving us, um, as I said earlier, a real touchy-feely ex experience of 
how far behind we are and, and what we need to do to be able to improve that. Um, and the solution to that is, is, is time together. We, we need to spend time together. We need to spend time on our skills. We need to spend time on our conditioning. We need to spend time on our game management, our game understanding, our defense, our set piece, our breakdown, every aspect that's going to make us improve. The good news is that it is achievable. It, it's not a magic wand. It's, it's not unachievable. The one thing we do have is we've got great athletes. Yeah. Uh, we've got a, as I said, I said earlier, you know, we've got a real good professional mindset. I can't, I can't really sit here and criticize my players in terms of their preparation, their mindset. You know, if we couldn't keep up with the pace and we got well and truly beaten, that's one thing. But you know, I'm not, I'm, you know, you know, it's not as if the guys were out partying or they didn't take it seriously or they didn't look after themselves or they didn't train really well during the week and. You know, for that, I give my players, you know, the players 10 out of 10. You know, their preparation was as as good as it, as it could have been. And um, I don't think that transition from where we are at the moment to where we need to be to be competitive, a.k.a. a Japan-style competitive as a Tier 2 nation, I don't think that's 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 miles away. But we do need to make that change, and, and we do need time together. And it doesn't matter. I mean, take me out the equation. I mean, if they – if and, and – because it, it can't be it can't be a subjective conversation. It can't be um, if we're talking coaching now and we want to talk coach education. So take take me out the equation. Don't go and put Eddie Jones there tomorrow. Go and put Rusty there tomorrow. Go and put a world class coach there tomorrow. The bottom line is they're going to need time in the middle. Yeah, That's what they're going to need. And you know, there's no magician out there who's got a magic wand who's just going to make them have that experience of being able to play together and. And so that's where our challenges lie, but that's what makes it exciting as well. And that's why, you know, I'm enjoying the challenge of what we've got ahead. Um, Gary, in, in, in looking at your responses to, to the games that you guys played um, this year thus far, um, you seem to be very positive about all the games and, and, and the positives that you can take out of the games. And you, you mainly focus on the positives and not the negatives, as you've done now as well. Um, but you guys only... You only played, or you played your last game in the World Cup in October um, 2019, and then you played um, England as your first game in England on the 4th of July this year. So there's been a, a massive gap, first of all. That's the first thing. Then the second thing is um, the, the critics or your critics playing England and Ireland were quite calm, if I can call it calm. They weren't as, as aggressive in, in criticizing your team in those two games. But then your game against Canada, it seemed to be that the whole of America was up in arms that you lost against, um, against Canada in that first game. And, I mean, to the extent that you actually um, uh, um, tweeted uh, about the, the keyboard the keyboard warriors. <laughs> and so what we I, follow you, right? <laughs> what, I, what I liked in that tweet was your last words where you says your respect is everything. Okay. And now my question is, in saying all of this, my question is, how do you now, after this New Zealand game, go and motivate your team, first of all, get your players back up and your, and your, your manage, management staff? And then also, how do you now get the whole of America and these keyboard warriors to, to now support you again. I mean, this was a lost um, before 40,000 home fans. Yeah. Yeah, Kasper, it's a good question. I mean, it's a, it's a hard-hitting question, but it's a good question, and I like it, really. I mean, so the, the first thing is, is it's, it's not about supporting me. I mean, it's, it's, it's about supporting the team. Yes. That's ultimately what it's about. I, I, yeah, I have a real problem if the coach is the person who's going to be front and center. It should be about the team and it should be about the guys supporting the team. Yes. And that's the beauty about sports fans is, is they get angry, we get furious. I mean, we've seen it year in and year out here in South Africa as well. Um, you know, we get frustrated with the box, but then the minute they're going to win a, a week later, we're back in love with yeah. them again. And, yes. you know, I, our supporters are very loyal to our players. And, you know, for, for that... You know, I'm, I'm very, very grateful, and, and I think they'll continue to be supportive. But I'll I tell you how I really want to answer the question, the, the, Kasper, the question that you asked right in the beginning. And, and so there's two massive things for me in, in, in coaching and in our coaching philosophy and what we look at. And the, they, they, sort of, they sort of fall into the category of the issues that you can control and the issues that you can't control. Yeah. 
please. The issues that you can control are the stuff that we spoke about a little bit earlier, like our game preparation, yes. our attitude towards the game, the effort. And then, so I know it's now become a bit of a cliche, but it's about the things that don't necessarily require the talent, like the effort that you put in on a, on a field, how hard do you chase a kick, how much do you continue to work. And those are the things that I'm really struggling to criticize our players about yeah. at the moment now. If we're not yet good enough and we don't catch and pass, we don't finish 3v2s properly enough, and our tackle technique isn't good enough, that that's something that the time in the middle will sort out. Yeah. Yes. You know, and I know they'll get better with, with the time in the middle. But if you haven't got the first part, that's that's when people start getting pissed off. That's yeah. when fans really, really start losing faith in you and they don't want to support you anymore. And I don't think that our team are at that stage at the moment. And that's the reason why yes. for me it's quite easy to stay positive. I, because the minute the team roll over or, you know, I'm disenfranchised with the team yeah. or they don't want me around anymore or it shouldn't even be about that or they stop playing or they stop preparing themselves. And I can't say that about our guys. Mm. You know, I genuinely could not look at the guys after losing by 100 points and saying that I don't think they tried. Yeah. I genuinely yeah. don't think I can do that. And I've, I've been in games before where we've lost by a point or two and I think that guys haven't tried hard enough. Mm. And I think that they didn't put in enough effort. So um, I know it sounds bizarre because we've got smashed by 100 points. But I, and I think that's why I still continue to take the positivity out of it at the moment is because I see how desperately these guys want to try. Mm. I, I, if I tell you the amount of players, literally, my hand on my heart that were in tears in the change room afterwards because... They felt they'd let people down, and 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 I know that it was driven by the scoreline, no. but it wasn't driven by their by their by their efforts, and it wasn't driven by their attitude. Mm. You know, so um, we were well and truly beaten by one of the best teams in the world. Mm. You know, certainly a very very skillful team, um, and and we know how to fix that. But um, so so I suppose that's the, the easiest way that I can answer the question is is that the reason why. I find it so easy to be positive because I'm upbeat about it. I'm upbeat about what we can achieve. I'm upbeat about that. I think this is a situation we can fix. I'm not saying we can turn it around and go and beat New Zealand next week. I'm not for one minute suggesting that, but I'm saying that, you know, by the time, if we get to spend time together and we have the solutions to be able to fix the current problems, i.e. we need to spend a significant period of time together. So our next job is we need to qualify to get to rugby world cup in 2023 and once we do that, we need to spend significant time together. If we can spend significant time together between now and 2023, and I'm talking about, I'm not even talking about next week. I'm talking about in the in in the annual build-up to 2023. So if the, if the Rugby World Cup is in France in September, you know, as long as we've spent a significant period of time during the course of that year, and, and I'm assuming once we qualify, then I think we can be, I, I think that we've got the, the makings of the individuals and the athletes who can go on and be a lot more competitive than we were in the weekend. Do I think we're going to win the, the, the would we have the ability to win the next rugby world cup? No, we won't. We won't have that ability to win the world cup yet, you know, and that's not a defeatist attitude, but I think we can be a hell of a lot better than we were this, this last weekend. And, and I suppose that's the reason why I choose, choose to be positive. And I, you know, I choose to take the positives out of it. And, and it's, 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 it's simple, guys. I mean, you guys have been involved in the game. We've we've coached together. I've spent time down in Manitoba with you guys with the Sharks before. We know each other enough. You can watch a game of rugby and you can see one team getting smashed and then you can see one team just giving up and or not trying hard enough. And, you know, I just don't think that's been the case with, with our team at the moment, you know. We've, we've learned some very harsh lessons and we we have been bad, interestingly enough, Going back to the beginning of your question, just to finish off the answer, I think that's the reason why people were so annoyed about the first Canada game. Mm. Because there was the sense, and we were very bad in that game, and we were the master of our own destiny, and we did things in that game that literally handed Canada the, 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 the reins back in. We turned 14-10 at half time, um, Not playing very well, we turned 14-10 up. And, and we literally just handed the game back to Canada. You know, error after error after error, and you know, for do and that's what irritated that's what irritated yeah. the fans and then irritated us. And in many ways, this is I know it's a bizarre statement. I I I I, I felt pretty devastated on Saturday night, but I was definitely angrier after the Canada loss in St. John's 
than I was on Saturday night. I was much angrier with our performance. I was much angrier with the issues that I thought we could control that we spoke about earlier. You know, the, the issues around um, our game management and, you know, um, you know, I suppose basically our attitude around that game. You know, I felt afterwards maybe we were complacent, you know, and, and bordering on arrogant that, you know, we thought it was just good enough to pitch up against Canada and it wasn't, you know, and, and we fixed it a week later. But, you know, we probably got dealt that same lesson against Uruguay a week later. And that's all part of our learning curve at the moment. And I, I agree. I mean, you've, you've said quite a bit. What I'm glad that you did say you played against one of the best sides in the world. Um, and you didn't say the best side because technically we're there. So thanks for not saying the best side. <laughs> no, you're kidding. But what I, what I want to say, Gary, and I, and I agree with you, you know, um, I, I'm a coach and, and obviously coaching philosophies change slightly from coach to coach, but the basics are there. I think the basic fundamentals, all coaches use the same thing. Um, only you and your coaching staff will know what your players' attitudes are at training and wherever else. Um, the neutral person like myself and Kasper and, and all the viewers that, that watch those games can physically see whether players try and don't try. Um, yes, some of the players were, were very out of position and they weren't where they're supposed to be. And as you said, conditioning might have been part of that. But you can see in a player's body language whether he's given up or whether he hasn't given up, whether they keep on trying. I mean, those two tries, for argument's sake, a team that was soundly beaten by that time, um, whose attitude isn't positive, wouldn't have reacted like that. You know, some, I mean, there was quick play at times and, and the boys, I mean, and if you look at their celebration, um, when they scored in that, it, it meant something to them. It's something that, that they as players and you as coaching staff can take forward to build on these guys. And, you know, I agree with you and I feel sorry for tier two nations, um, more so like yourself because your your players play all over the world and you don't get to, to get them to, to to train as often as not. I mean if I look at South Africa we've got a we've got a nucleus of players playing in South Africa. Then you have the guys playing overseas that are playing top notch rugby overseas. Um, like us we in, in in the northern hemisphere now and some of the guys are only joining on the weekend. But they've been part and parcel of the Springbok setup for majority of this year. I mean they were touring together for four months, for argument's sake. As you said, you had them for 10 days and you have to play a test match. You know, I, I just Fine. go to club rugby or to provincial rugby. <laughs> at club rugby, um, if the union don't give us at least six to eight weeks to prepare, we will never make it. So I hear you, and, and sadly so, um, and I say this with, with utmost respect to, to viewers and to rugby lovers and that, you know, they don't really look at what's happening behind the scene. They think you put on your national color and you need to produce the goods. They don't really understand. And, you know, you look at your center pairing for argument's sake. Those guys need to play together for a good number of tests matches before they understand each other, understand their running lines and support play and all that. And, and us as neutral supporters, we don't look at that. We just want them to gel and they want to play. And then if they do well, we say, let's say for argument's sake, and this is the sad reality now, right? So let's say for argument's sake, the All Blacks only beat you by 40 points. We wouldn't have had this the conversation because we would have had this conversation to say, yeah, your side was very good. How poor was New Zealand not on the weekend? That would have been the discussion. You know, that's a sad, yeah. that's a sad part about rugby. But uh, Gary, I can tell you, and, and I feel for you, you know, um, to be like to be in a position like that but the positives is what will drive them and you know i i still believe that that players don't go out to lose more so when you play against new zealand because that's where you, the ultimate test i mean if you look at south africa and new zealand the wallabies in south africa and new zealand those are the teams they you know england and the wales and those teams come second we want to play against each other. So the opportunity that you guys got to play against them firstly would have meant meant a lot. Whether these guys won or lost, they would now say they played against one of the best teams in the world and they would have swapped jerseys and whatever they'd done. So I think all round, it's great. The spectators don't understand. And I feel yes. for, for coaches because you know how it's like. If your team does well, you've got great players. If you lose and you yeah. lose far, then the coaching staff is the problem. And they don't look <laughs> at no, exactly. you. You don't get together, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, listen, guys, I mean, you know, it's also a bit of a situation of, you know, it comes a stage after a while where you can't just keep crying. I was, yeah. you know, I mean, you know, there's certainly nothing to feel sorry for me about. I mean, at the end of the day, this is a career I've chosen and, you know, I'm very blessed and, you know, and 
I, you know, I, it's it's been a tough run, but you know, uh, it is what it is. You know, I, if if I don't want to do it, I'm very, you know, I'm very I'm very welcome to walk away. You know, and I know there'll be hundreds of thousands of people who who want to do that job. So there's nothing about feeling sorry. It's 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 just a tough time at the moment now. You know, and as you say, I mean, you you this is what we eat, live, sleep, dream about all day long. The spectator thinks about it when he turns the TV on, and then he's he's upset after a few beers afterwards when he's, you know, throwing things at the TV. But, and that's that's sport. You know, that's the yeah. reason why we're addicted to sport. And you yeah. say oh, that's rugby. It's it's not rugby. It's it's every sport. All sport. Yeah. You know, yeah. look at what's going on at the moment with the cricket, and look at the emotions around the cricket and the emotions around uh, Quinton and what's mm-hmm. happening there. And it's the same thing. America is the same about American football. And you know, you know. They're, they're their sports where you're investing hundreds of millions of dollars and then a team doesn't make the playoffs. And yeah. then, then there's big repercussions for that. So, you know, I think that's the reason why we are as addicted to sport as we're addicted to it because it's, you know, it, it is a release. It's, it's, it's stuff to talk about. Everyone's got an opinion about it. Um, and, and that's, that's the way it is, you know? So, I mean, it's, it's a roller coaster of a, of a ride, but it's, um, you know, there's, uh, there's some good days as well, yes, every now and again. <laughs> Gary, if there's one thing that, that keeps keep you in, in the game or keep you coaching, one thing that, that will make you get up in the morning and go back to coaching, what is that one thing? Throughout now, no, not talking about America specifically now, but through, throughout your career, what's that one thing that always made you go back? Just seeing the, the – just, just seeing – a person reach the potential, you know, particularly in a game like rugby, you know, because rugby is such a unique sport. You know, we, what we've got is such a unique sport. I mean, I mentioned it before, and it's, I know it's boring cliche, but it genuinely is a metaphor for life, you know. If you're short and fat and strong, there's a position for you. If you're tall and lanky and skinny, there's a position for you. If you're fast, there's a position for you. Yeah. If you've got skill, there's a position for you. If you... If you can't catch a ball, but you can tackle, there's a position for you. So there's there's something for there's no other sport that provides yeah, that on the planet. 100%. There's no other sport that provides that for every single type of human being. So so that's the first thing. And then and then there's a mental aspect to it. There's an intellectual aspect, massively intellectual aspect of international rugby, part of the game. We spoke about the game management, and then of course ultimately the physical aspect to it, and and a very very physical aspect to it. You know, and, and physically being able to take a beating and getting back up again and going to fight another day. And so when you see a person, you know, who, like us at the moment, like some of our players at the moment, yes. who are down and you're dejected about it, but then you see them reach their potential over yeah. a couple of weeks and a couple of months and, you know, dare I say it, even a couple of years, that's unbelievably rewarding. I mean, it's in, in many ways, it's even more rewarding than the actual winning of the game, you know, and... Yeah. You literally see the light go on in a person, you know, and I've seen it. I've seen it at clubs that I've gone to help when they were relegated. Um, you know, the jobs that I've taken haven't always been glamorous jobs. You know, I've, I've not necessarily gone for the glamorous jobs. And I can promise you, I definitely haven't always gone for the best paying jobs. That's for sure either. <laughs> so that's not even a motivation for me. You know, going to clubs like Newcastle and, and Worcester is because, yeah. You know, I've looked at I've looked at teams there, and I've thought, well, you know, I think there's some potential here. You know, and you can gel a group of players, and then you know, we all talk about it, and we know what the chess is around the game of rugby, and that's also unique. It's yeah. very, very special. It's something you don't get. So when you see now, I'm getting older, and you know, now I'm you know, I'm old enough to be probably a father to most of these guys now. You know, um, in age wise, and you actually, when you're able to see that group, that that that's far more of the motivation and. And, you know, I say it in the team meetings, you know, 10, 15, 20 years down the road when, you know, your phone rings one day and it's a guy you coached 10, 15 years ago and he wants to come to your house and have a coffee with you and see you again. You know, that's just massively rewarding, you know, if you've been able to, you know, do something in their lives. And, you know, again, taking ourselves out of the equation, I mean, just it's so interesting to see a club like Saracens, for example, you know, and what... What, where they came from and what they built and what they did. And, you know, I see players like Jacques, Jacques Berger and Maric Boerter and Justin Melk and Ernst Jabeur and Neil de Kock and mm. um, Skulk Brits and, you know, guys who've, 
in their own right, have achieved amazing things on the rugby field. You know, how brilliant an individual player Scott Britz was, for example. But you hear them talk about, I mean, th those guys will be friends until they die. Yeah, yeah. Yes, no, they until their last yeah. days, you know. They'll, yeah. they'll, 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 you'll never take that away from them, ever. You know, they'll, some will go bankrupt, some will get divorced, some will lose their job, yeah. some will, you know, do silly things in life. Others will be successful. But that's the one thing that will bring them back together again, you know, and that's, um, I suppose that's what keeps me going. Then before we move on to, to some Springbok rugby, um, what is the flip side of that coin now? What is the worst thing ever as a coach that you've experienced? The one thing that you would never want to experience again, other than the last weekend? You know, it's been pretty dark this year. I mean, this year has been some dark times. I, 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 I think it's, I think it's trying to get my head around like when the days are dark. Um, trying to just, just, just to try and get my head around like the personal abuse that comes with it. You know, to see the players cop personal abuse, and obviously it's a lot more public now. You know, I mean, yes. I always used to joke that one of the reasons why I love working in Japan is even if they were talking <laughs> talk about me, I didn't understand it. So it, it made life a lot easier, you know, from that point of view. So, but I mean, I, I, I just, sometimes yeah. I just get like massively disappointed in the human race, you know, when I just see, yeah. you know, the personal abuse that some people can, you know, these are young players. These are young guys who are just going out and doing what they love doing. And, you know, and, and some of the vitriolic, um, abuse that these guys get, you know, if they drop a ball over the line or they miss a tackle. Um, but again, you know, I, you can't have it both ways, unfortunately. You know, five minutes ago, we were talking about the yeah. theatre of sport and we we're talking about why we love sport. And But I, I, I don't know. I just, um, you asked me a question, I'm just giving you a straight answer. You know, I, you know it's just the, it's just, um, I love how passionate people are about it, but, you know, I'm not necessarily... You know, sometimes it's it's not amazing to be on the side of you know the personal abuse and and when it gets really personal, you know, when it when it really gets personal, then, um, but but uh, you know, and you you see like I've literally seen players in tears about it, and you know, again to be completely neutral, you know, only because it was on on chasing the sun, you know, it was, it was it, you know, the, the Vili LaRue story was quite well known, you know, we've yeah, really yes. apparently approached Rassi and said that, you know, you know, it's fine, you can drop me and, you know, it's it's great to have a coach who believed in him the way that Rusty believed in Vili, yeah. you know, yeah, um, worked. Mm. and wouldn't allow him to, to listen to the personal abuse, you know, because I know having had Vili at the Sharks as well, I know Vili's also had his fair share of personal abu yeah. abuse as well and that, I'm just using one. I'm using somebody in the neutral environment yeah, you know, yeah. I don't work with anymore. But you know, I I just think that's um it's unnecessary. But unfortunately, it's part and parcel of the game at the moment. If you don't like it, don't do the job. You know, I I, I tend to agree with you. It's it's sad. You know, as I said, and 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 part of the reason why the public become personal, which I also agree is is totally unacceptable. Um, is because they believe the players are professional and they ought to do what they do, but People forget that you're human, you know. So it's like anyone else that sits in the office. Um, today you go to work and there might have been a death in the family or you and your wife fought or whatever the case might be. Is. So your mindset isn't there. You can't just switch off and switch on like a roadblock. So it makes it very difficult. And part of the problem is when, that, when the personal abuse starts on, on social media and that, I mean, sometimes they bring your families into it and whatever, and that in itself also affects you negatively because you yeah. want to be proud of what you're doing and you want your family to be proud. So it's actually it's actually a sick way of of dealing with things in in, in life, you know. So, but but I agree with you, and then you know that's why on the professional side you have psychologists that work with the players and things like that that helps. Um, you know, the lower you go down, you might not have that luxury. Um, but it is sad. I mean, Vili LaRue, we all know he's a quality player. Um, and like Vili LaRue, I don't believe there's one professional player worldwide that hasn't gone through a bad patch, whether it's rugby, cricket, soccer, it doesn't matter because that's what happens because they they, they expect you to perform yeah. at the utmost, highest level that you can, and it's just not possible. Definitely not. Thank you for that. Um,
Then some Springbok rugby. The before box. we before, before we go, we go sorry, oh. I just want to ask you quickly, Gary, from a from a USA point of view, what is your next steps? Uh, when's your next game? Um, what is the future plan for you? And how long are you going to be in in South Africa? Um, so I'll, I'll head back shortly, um, and then the MLR season kicks off. Preseason starts in November, December. Okay. Um, with the Major League Rugby competition kicking off again, uh, which is quite exciting. Uh, guys will get a couple of weeks off now, and then they get back, and so get back to to watching that. Um, and then, it, you know, it's it's a bit of a challenge. I mean, you know, I, I'd love to say, you know, we're getting together for four, five, six weeks camp, but we're not. Um, and our next venture now is, is unfortunately, when we play Chile for our Rugby World Cup qualifiers next year. So, That's so important. You know, at this stage, we, we don't know the exact dates, but it's probably going to be July. And at this stage, you know, we're due to assemble the week before that. But um, that's my challenge now. You know, my challenge is to try and change that between now and then and, and, and try and see if we can spend a significantly longer period of time together and, and be able to, you know, get to... to um, to, to actually spend some time as a, as a team and, and, and refocusing on, on what's going to now become a very, very critical two yes. weeks for us, you know, yes. and it's very interesting because um, post the rugby world cup uh, and the, uh, very few people know this, but um, the South American teams have actually done an amazing job. You know, they've started this competition called the slob once, once Argentina fell out of, um, super rugby, you know, uh, I think it was um, Augustin Pichot's brainchild. They started this this competition called the SLAR, S-L-A-R. I, can't, I don't know what it stands for, South American Rugby League or whatever it is. And now they've got a team from Uruguay, Chile, Argentina 15, Paraguay, um, and, and, you know, there's five or six at Brazil. And they basically play as their national team, you know, because they don't have a lot of players that, um, you know, Uruguay have got four guys that play in Europe and Chile have very few and Paraguay almost have none and Brazil almost have none. And, and you know, so, so basically they, they have four or five club teams and they play in this Super Rugby, Southern, Southern, South American Super Rugby competition. But, you know, they're getting to play week in and week out, you know, very much like, like the Toronto Arrows do in the Major League Rugby competition, you know, which is predominantly the Canadian team. And um, yeah, so they're getting some great success from that, you know, and hence the reason why the South American teams like Uruguay and Chile and Brazil, Brazil, for example, very few people know this, Brazil, for example, they've got an absolutely brilliant scrum, mm. like one of the best scrums around at the moment now, you know, and oh. they've got some amazingly good tight five, but they've just done some great work there, you know, mm. and massive credit to them. But, you know, that it's like a little bit of a hidden secret in World Rugby yeah, at the moment yeah. and how, how, how much they're progressing at the moment. So we're going to have to, you know, get our, you know, what into gear and, and, and make sure that, you know, if the greatest thing that's come from this year is that it's been some harsh lessons learned, that we can definitely not go into next year without having a wake-up call. That's for sure. You know, so we, so we, need, we need to go back and we need to, we need to now fight for some time and get some time together because, you know, it's it's coming thick and fast in July for the next World Cup qualifiers. And you just know that, like, like you know, like a country that's supposedly a minnow, and I'm being very yeah. respectful here, of course, they're not a minnow, but I mean, you know, as a country, but as a rugby nation, Chile are not exactly a superpower yes, yet, but, yes. you know, they're going to they're gonna come out the blocks firing. We saw that with Uruguay, and we've seen that with what Chile did to Canada as well, yeah. so... But massive credit to them, but you know we're going to have to get our act together. Definitely, no, we we really hope for you guys and and wish you well on that front. So granted, let's let's make it happen. <laughs> see, Mark started this whole show saying that he's not talking that much. Look at this. You see, he's, <laughs> he is the one that's talking. Um, Gary, I want to ask you um, on the on the Springbok tour to um, to Europe now, playing Wales, Scotland, and and England. Um, as a as a former uh, coach at the at the box, um, what do you think the box will do in in Europe against these three sides? What's your feeling? Look, I mean, the Springboks finished the, the rugby championship on a brilliantly high note. Um, uh, there was no doubt that as a team they're very cohesive. Um, 
I don't think there's any issue as I can see from 15,000 kilometers away and, you know, not being uh, remotely in the mix at all. But, you know, there's certainly no issue with Jacques whatsoever and the, and the camaraderie with the team. Um, I think, um, you know, our experience after 2009 is that British and Irish Lions series really, really takes it out of new, uh, out of you. And I think then having to go into the bubble and, and, you know, being based in Australia, I think it was tough for them in the beginning, but, you know, they, they literally turned the corner brilliantly and, you know, to finish the rugby championship in the, in the way, in the manner that they did. I mean, just on the weekend, the All Blacks coaches were just saying to me, like, how ferocious it was playing against the Springboks, you know, and um, uh, I, I mean, they, they, they genuinely, they genuinely looked to me like there were aspects of the Springboks game that they didn't have an answer to, you know, um, yes. and I don't mean that disrespectfully to the All Blacks in any way, shape or form. I'm just saying they were very, you know, John Plumtree was being very complimentary of the Springboks and, you know, what they brought and. I've absolutely no doubt that they're going to want to continue that. I mean, it's a great tour. End of the year tours is a great tour. I mean, they know they're going to, um, you know, well, traditionally, they know they're going to have a break. I have no idea what the ex-calendars look like. So I don't want to be quoting things that I don't know if they have to go back and play in the rugby United Rugby Championship. And uh, But I'm assuming, the, you know, that the senior players will get some form of a time off. And it's just a great vibe on that end of the year tour, you know, playing in those three, those three venues is is iconic. I mean, I don't think any player gets tired of that. Um, uh, and I think they'll want to finish the year on a really good note. You know, obviously, you know, beating the British and Irish Lions was was a, was amazing after not having played very much rugby and you know finishing the rugby championship with such a high. Knowing Jacques and how competitive he is, and and I think I read the other day that Rusty will be on tour. Yes, he's I'm, going. I'm not well. sure if yeah. he will or won't, but Jacques said something about Rusty being in the box and. You know, Rusty, Rusty will will bring an, an intellectual and 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 mental edge as well. You know, to to and to supporting Jacques and, and his coaching team. And you know, I think the guys are going to go really well over there. Um, you know, and I, and, I, and I think they're going to fire a few shots. I'm very excited, particularly against the England for the England game because I think that could get quite spicy. Don't you? Don't you? I don't know if you've watched a few games in the United Rugby Championship um, with South Africa, obviously playing against the likes of the teams from Ireland and, and Wales and Scotland and that and in, in, in Italy. Um, in in those specific games, in the first four weeks, we saw our call it overcooked. The South African teams were because they've been playing for the last eighteen months or whatever non-stop. And the Northern Hemisphere basically just started playing rugby. Um, we're going back to the box now. Um, then you look at the box that have been playing and touring for the last, I don't know, six months or whatever it's been. And England and those teams only getting together now. Traditionally, I mean, even when you were part of the box setup, isn't that always a difficult to, uh, I mean, obviously the guys are fired up because especially your, your youngsters that you're bringing into the side where we don't have many of them. There's, I think there's two guys in our three, two guys in our team that, yes. that haven't played test match rugby. Um, isn't that a, a, a fact normally that you might, you might be overcooked when you get there, the guys are tired and whatever, and you get the English and the, and the, and the Welsh that are coming out all fired up because it's their first or second test of the tournament, or isn't it really like that? The players are normally just fired up and they want to play. That's a good question. I'm, I, I mean, it, 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 it's always been the balance of how the Northern Hemisphere seasons and the Southern Hemisphere seasons work. You know, every I'm, I'm talking back to our day, so yeah. I, I need to say I, I, I haven't watched much of the United Rugby Championship, so it would be naive of me to make yeah. comments about that. I, I I haven't literally seen very many games. I mean, A, because of the time zone and B, because yeah, I've, definitely. I've, been, I've been stuck with America. So I can't comment. I, I, mm. I literally haven't seen any of the games and I don't even want to start to guess. So I, I don't know. Um, I, I don't know very much about what it yeah. did or didn't look like. But from a Springbok point of view, I mean, your point is valid. I mean, it always fascinated us when we were, were at the Springboks is that Every, every time we played, if you remember, like we'd play like Wales would come in for two or three tests or Ireland or, or Scotland or somebody would come for two or three tests in June, July. It used to yeah. be June, yeah. I think, in those days. It wasn't as late as July. 
And then the the, the first thing they'd say is, oh, we can we we are coming here in the end of our season. Yes. We tired. And then every time we would go to the northern hemisphere, we we'd say the same thing as well. And you know that's unfortunate. <laughs> unfortunately, how the structure mm. works. Mm. Um, you know, I can't talk about them and coming here in the June series, but I, you know, I can say that these tours mean a lot to our guys. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a big deal. I mean. What we don't know is, is how much this bubble takes out of you. Definitely. I mean, the, yes. this bubble is 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 not a laughing; it's yeah. not a joke. I mean, we've been in and out of, of bubbles um, of, since since we we met in England. We were in a hard lockdown bubble in for the England Ireland game, and it's it it it's psychologically very very tough. Yeah. I mean, some of us as coaches don't have answers for that yet yeah. because it's difficult. It it. It's a, one of the highlights is amazing to go out for a team yes, dinner or yes. go on excursion or do a team building exercise or climb a mountain or go for a hike together or on day off, go and see the city you're in or go and do mm. When you're in a hard lockdown bubble, go back to your room. Yes. I mean, in Canada, we were served meals in the hallway outside our room and we literally weren't even allowed in the team room. So sure. it, yeah. it's, it's a big deal. I mean, yeah. it really is a big deal. So I can't, I can't talk to that and how that's yeah. going to have an effect on it. But in terms of the psyche, I mean, I still think there's an, there's enough of a novelty of going back to to Europe at this time of year. Um, you know, nearing Christmas, there's a there's a lack of buzz in, within the team knowing that you know in a few short weeks they're coming home and they're coming back to the sunshine and they're going to be on their farm or they're going to be able to go down to the beach or they're going to spend time with their family and they want to give it one last crack. Yeah. You know, they really want. And it's iconic, you know, playing playing at Murrayfield or playing at Twickenham, and, and you know, playing playing the caliber of those teams. And um, you know, I just think there's a huge amount of pride in the Springbok team. And you know, they might be tired, but you know, the management team are smart. You know, they'll manage the team during the course of the week and make sure that they're ready for the 80 minutes. So um, it's just how much the bubble has an effect. And, and if they are going to have to be in a bubble, I, I don't necessarily believe they will have to be in a bubble now. I don't see why they they would be because the UK is open now, yeah. and I think that actually might be a real blessing, you know, for the guys that have been stuck in bubbles in Australia for I don't know how long, and you know, going back now and being able to tour properly again yeah. and have a good time, and you know, um, you know, the night before the day off, maybe have a couple of beers and mm. you know, go to a local pub. I, I think you know that could could have a massive benefit to our guys and. Could could actually see them do 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 a good turnaround and 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 actually give these guys a proper club. So your prediction three 0 to us. <laughs> so who are the three teams we're playing again? I shouldn't. I know it's England. Wales, Scotland, and England. Yeah. No, no, I think the Springboks will go three 0 Good. Glad to see your blood England is still green. Spicy. England England will be spicy. Yeah. And I know we've got a lot of our big players out. You know and and. That will be difficult. That will, I mean, not that the others won't be difficult. Of course, they'll be difficult. I don't mean that disrespectfully, but, yeah. you know, there's a proper rivalry between ourselves and England. Yeah. And I think England, a lot of love lost. England wants to obviously um, resurrect the World Cup themselves. final <laughs> against us. So they will definitely be up firing yeah. at all cylinders. <laughs> yeah, and we're playing in three iconic stadia, yeah. stadiums as well. I mean, we're playing Cardiff, Murrayfield, and Twickenham. I mean, it's, it's iconic. It's yeah. massive. Yeah, and I think crowds are allowed back again. And, yes. You know, it's just amazing stadiums and no, fantastic no. vibes there. And, uh, uh, you know, I've got a lot of confidence in the Spring Rock boys. I think they'll do very well. Great. Great. Gary, thank you very yeah. much. Appreciate your time. Appreciate your input. Love to to listen to you guys and, and um, where you are and how you think and how you deal with all these difficult situations. No, thanks, guys, man. Thanks for having me again, um, guys. And uh, nice of you guys to connect again after all our years. And, yeah, thanks for the thanks for the, the invite. And always a pleasure to be on the show and love talking rugby with you guys. And good to see you again. I Thank must you. admit, it's, it's nice hearing your voice and chatting to you again. And I must say, I've been looking at the clock. It's one of our longer... Um, Touchline shows that we've had because yes. uh, you know it's, it's it's so it's so nice talking to you from a different perspective as well and you know I, I must say there's a, there's obviously you could go the negative route but it's so nice listening to you yes. understanding where you're coming from where it's difficult yet you still ooze passion for the game and ooze passion for the people 
And one, one way I need to give you credit is not once did you mention anything negative about your players and whatever. Everything, regardless of where you are at, is a, is a positive thing. And I think many coaches, young and up and coming, even senior coaches, international coaches, could actually learn from that because um, I think that's a great aspect to have. And, and thanks for that because that in itself is a motivator. So, anyhow. On that, we wish you well and all your success, and we'll yes. definitely be Thank following you. Guys, you. And uh, appreciate hope... it, man. Thanks yeah. for the invite. That good to catch up again. Take we'll, care. Definitely, we'll definitely you press on your button again, Gary. Thanks for that. <laughs> Thank you. All the best <laughs> for you and your team. You. Okay. Bye bye. All the Keep best. Well. I appreciate that. Thanks, Casper. Thank bye. you. Bye. Cheers. Bye. Moving on to club rugby, the tens tournament. Hosted by Mums and Toti last weekend. Uh, Mark, unfortunately, I wasn't there. You were there. If you can give us some feedback on that. I don't think it was unfortunately. It was actually quite nice not having you there. <laughs> Thanks, Mark. <laughs> no, are you kidding? I know you were there in spirit, so um, that's why we had to do all the work. Um, no, to be honest, uh, you know, to host something like that is always a is always an honour for, for a club and none more than the Mums and Toti Rugby Club. As we said, we had the privilege of being awarded two of these events over the next six weeks. Um, so from a setup point of view, it's it's a lot of hard work, um, you know, starting early in the morning and finish late at night. But the reward of that yes. is, is what matters. And, uh, you know, we've had so many positives coming out of it, so many good accolades coming our way. And it's all because of the people uh, within the club structures that put their hand up to, to make a success. And then ultimately, obviously, for the players and the referees that are part of that, you know, so it was massive. And, it, you know, it's the junior clubs that we're referring to, so it's all um, third tier down. Yes. Um, but you saw some wonderful talent. Um, all the guys just want to do is play rugby, you know, and it was all, I must admit, it's rugby. Spectators were back, which was great to see as well. Um, but what is nice to see is that there was no ill discipline. Um, the guys just want to play rugby, and rugby at the end of the day won. So uh, it was it was awesome to host them, and we go on to the third and final leg on on Friday, and we wish all those teams well that go through to the finals of the Quinton Reynolds Tens, um, hosted by Hollywood Bets. But um, in all honesty, Toti Rugby Club, uh, the vibe that was there, the you know, the, I don't think there's anything that we could have faulted from the beginning to the end. Um, some of the players, as I said, was phenomenal. Um, there were a few upsets. Um, you, you wouldn't believe in, in 10 minutes um, that teams could rack up 60 points or whatever. Um, and some of them were closer than that. But all in all, I think it was a great day at, at rugby. And our host that we had the previous week, Vernon Chetty, he was, he was there and, and conducting things and giving prizes at the end of the day. So, yeah, it was a, it was a great day in, in general. Um. The junior tens finishing off on Friday, and then the the seniors starting or the Premier League starting in on on Saturday. Um, your thoughts on that one? Yeah, so just from a from a junior finishing off, that's being hosted by Jaguars Rugby Club yes. in Sydenham, and we wish all the players and obviously there Jaguars uh, Rugby Club all the best in, in hosting that one. That's going to be a late a late night, so for everyone that's quite keen to go and watch the players, they're more than welcome because it's also open to spectators, so yes. they're more than welcome to go there. And Just then, remember yeah. that lockdown is still 12 o'clock. Yes, so but I'm sure they'll be done by then. And then, uh, yeah, the big one, the Premier Division starts on, on Saturday. Um, that's at College Rovers. Yes. Um, in the same outer fields at, as Kings Park. Uh, which is also quite exciting. It's all the other teams, Premier Division teams, plus some of the First Division teams that, that obviously aren't playing in the junior clubs. I think there's eight eight teams or nine teams in the Premier Div, and then I think there's six that, that play in the in the second teams, if I can call it that. Uh, so it's going to be a whole day of the club rugby yet again, hosted by a very successful rugby club in, in KZN. Um, and yeah, looking forward to it. And then the following weekend on the 6th of November, once again, Toti's hosting the Tens Tournament at home. Yeah, Ready that, for that? Yeah, that one's going to be quite interesting because apparently all the guys that weren't here 
and the first one will be running the show in that one and the rest of us have the day off. It sounded like that, definitely sounded like that. But luckily the guys that weren't here are not scared of that. Um, <laughs> they will take it on as a challenge, no problem. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm only kidding. Uh, yet again, as I said, it's a, it's an absolute honour and and a privilege to to be awarded that. I mean, there's so many clubs that that didn't get that opportunity. Yes. And as we said three weeks ago, I think it was uh, we are the only club that has been given the go ahead to host two of them. We've had our challenges, obviously, with regards to getting poles installed and so forth, because we, traditionally we only have one set of of rugby fields. So. Um, but yeah, we'll be up up for the challenge yet again, and we hope to make it even better than the first one. So um, we yet again ask the community and our supporters to come out in their hordes to come and support their team, but not only Toti Rugby Club, all the other clubs that are participating. It's going to be a wonderful festival of rugby. Yes, please come and support us um, in this venture, this tournament, and come and help us win a trophy. Yeah, and exciting to say as well that, you know, this has been our 70, 75th year. Um, we've we've sourced new kit for the players and all of that, and we haven't managed to, to play in that. And uh, exciting to say that um, in the Premier Division 10s, um, some of our kit that the spectators and supporters will see will be on display as from Saturday. So... If that's the only reason why they come down to come and have a look what Toti Rugby Club will look like going into the future with our new badges and new colours and whatever, that's the time to come and support because uh, it's quite quite nice. And maybe there'll be an opportunity to meet the Touchline hosts as well. Definitely. That's something that we are planning on for that specific day is to, to run Touchline from there and chat with the odd people. So it would be great to have spectators down and hear their views. And then obviously they can... They can join us, call it on air and in our open studio at Toti Rugby Club. It would be wonderful. I'm sure it would be. Mark, once again, thank you very much for your thoughts. Thank you for chatting to us and um, an absolute pleasure chatting to Gary Gold. Yeah, always nice being in studio chatting rugby. And yeah, as I said in the beginning of the, of the show, Absolute beauty in, in Gary Gold. I had the privilege of attending a training course with him in 2009. That's what he was alluding to. Um, he's, a, he's a real, real rugby gentleman, as we could hear now. So it was great having him, and and um, also having someone from outside of South Africa, all the way yes. from America. So and we wish him well, and uh, our spectators as well. Thanks. Thank you for tuning in to Touchline. From myself, Kasper Els and Mark Cameron, have a great rugby week.